Good evening, everyone. Sometimes um, in February, uh, I turn my attention or my Dharma talk topic to death. And I was um, trained in this way. I don't know how common it is, but it's the month uh, February when the Buddha is said to have died. And when we celebrate um, the Buddha's death in some communities, we don't particularly hear um, at Upright Noble mark the Buddha's death, um, except that sometimes helps give me a seed for a talk topic. Mm. So we have the 55th case of the Blue Cliff Record, which is Tao Wu's condolence call. So this is part of the koan literature. So here it, here it is. Tao Wu and Qian Wan went to a house to make a condolence call. Yuan hit the coffin and said, alive or dead? Wu said, I won't say alive, and I won't say dead. Yuan said, why won't you say? Wu said, I won't say. Halfway back as they were returning, Yuan said, tell me right away, teacher. If you don't tell me, I'll hit you. Wu said, you may hit me, but I won't say. Yuan then hit him. Later, Tao Wu passed on. Yuan went to Shi Shuang and brought up the foregoing story. Shuan said, I won't say alive and I won't say dead. Yuan said, why won't you say? Shuan said, I won't say. I won't say. At these words, Yuan had an insight. One day, Yuan took a hoe, H-O-E, into the teaching hall and crossed back and forth from east to west and west to east. Xuan said, what are you doing? Yuan said, I'm looking for relics of our late master. Xuan said, vast waves spread far and wide, foaming billows flood the skies. What relics of our late master are you looking for? Shui To added a comment saying, heavens, heavens. Yuan said, this is just where I should apply effort. Fu of Tai Yuan said, the late master's relics are still present. Okay. So a lot of silliness in this story, huh? Who goes to make a condolence call and bangs on the coffin, right? So with these stories, what we're encouraged to do is 
look into different states of mind and look into what the different parts might have meant, might mean. You know, why this question, alive or dead? Obviously a dead body. Why this persistent response? I won't say, I won't say. Lots, lots in this koan. This is from Thich Nhat Hanh. I'm going to set the koan aside for a bit. So, I have returned enough to this book of Thich Nhat Hanh's, the titles No Death, No Fear, um, that it's on my very short list of, of recommended reading. I always find insight here. And clarity here and um, I really agree with my teacher chosen with regards to uh, reading and that is we read the texts or the words that inspire us to practice that inspire us to look directly so um, don't get confused thinking that if you like read all the books, um, that some magic result will happen. Um, and yet there are, I find, um, for me, really good pointers in here, things to contemplate, ways to turn the mind, um, and pointers that have led me back to my own insight. <clears throat> So however wise any words are in a book or in a talk, um, and even when the words open us to insight, we still have to go back and look directly. Even back at our own insight. Mm-hmm. One of the fundamental insights or seeing through, throughs, in practice is seen through the illusion of birth and death. Mm-hmm. Thich Nhat Hanh in this book says, uh, I wrote this down, notions of being and not being, these persistent notions that there's this binary being and not being cannot be applied to reality. Meaning it it doesn't really it doesn't really map on. It's not really what's going on. That something is or it isn't. Alive or dead. I won't say, I won't say. It's not even true. Hmm? So Thich Nhat Hanh really um, after reminding us that this all has to be verified directly and seen directly and explored um, individually and personally um, really kind of picks it apart logically 
goes at it from this angle and that angle. And for one person, you know, one metaphor might lead to particular insight more than another or a kind of understanding. Um, I think my bookmark fell out, so just give me a sec. Some people ask you, when is your birthday? But you might ask yourself a more interesting question. Before that day, which is called my birthday, where was I? Or ask a cloud, what is your date of birth? Before you were born, where were you? If you ask the cloud, how old are you? Can you give me your date of birth? You can listen deeply and you may hear a reply. You can imagine the cloud being born. The cloud coming into being. Before being born, it was the water on the ocean surface or it was in the river and then it became vapor. It was also the sun because the sun makes the vapor. The wind is there too, helping the water to become a cloud. The cloud does not come from nothing. There has only been, there has been only a change in form. It is not a birth of something out of nothing. And I would add here, and he adds elsewhere, like, nor is there a single cause of the clouds arising. Okay. Sooner or later, the cloud will change into rain or snow or ice. If you look deeply into the rain, you can see the cloud. And he suggests this practice of looking deeply into things. Mm -hmm. And he's suggesting some ways in which that might be done. But we can do it in our own ways. You know, have our own relationship with the cloud or um, the rain. Looking in, asking questions. Hmm? If you look deeply into the rain, you can see the cloud. The cloud is not lost. It is transformed into rain. And the rain is transformed into grass and the grass into cows and then to milk and then into ice cream you eat. Today, if you eat an ice cream, give yourself time to look at the ice cream and say, hello cloud, I recognize you. By doing that, so he really is suggesting this as a practice. You know, if, if his particular um, way of uh, speaking or being sounds silly, um, you can do it again in your own way. <laughs> but it's kind of sweet. Hello, Cloud, I recognize you. Um, by doing that, you have insight into the real nature of the ice cream and the cloud. You can also see the ocean, 
the river, the heat, the sun, the grass, and the cow in the ice cream. Looking deeply, you do not see a real date of birth and you do not see a real date of death for the cloud. All that happens is the cloud transforms into rain or snow. There is no real death because there is always a continuation. A cloud continues the ocean, the river, and the heat of the sun, and the rain continues the cloud. And of course he's reducing it, right? He's reducing it and has spoken elsewhere of inter-interbeing of all things. Thich Nhat Hanh continues, before it was born, the cloud was already there. So today, when you drink a glass of milk or a cup of tea or eat an ice cream, please follow your breathing, look into the tea or the ice cream, and say hello to the cloud. I'll read a little more here. The Buddha took the time to look deeply, and so can we. The Buddha was not a god. He was a human being like us. He suffered, but he practiced. And this is why he overcame his suffering. He had deep understanding, wisdom, and compassion. That is why we say he's our teacher and our brother. If we are afraid of death, it is because we have not understood that things do not really die. People say that the Buddha is dead, but it is not true. The Buddha is still alive. If we look around us, we can see the Buddha in many forms. The Buddha is in you because you've been able to look deeply and see that things are not really born and they do not die. We can say that you are a new form of the Buddha, a continuation of the Buddha. Do not underestimate yourself. Look around you a little bit, a little bit, and you will see continuations of the Buddha everywhere. We do say over and over again that the very source, the very root of suffering is this false sense of self, is this persistent notion of the self as a solid thing, as a solid thing. And that if we look under our suffering to the root cause, it's always, it's always there at the core. We have this notion, this persistent notion of self as solid. Even for me at least, like having seen through to some extent, look deeply to some extent, understanding what I just read to some extent, right? It comes back in. Mm-hmm. So part of our part of what happens in practice is we lose our place in the book again. We um, loosen up our grasp on this. Mm-hmm. We loosen up. So even this little bit of looking, huh? 
looking in the tea and seeing the cloud. It loosens it up. Loosens it up. Some things are um, easier to see as um, not solid than others. But actually, the self's not um, the hardest thing to see is not solid. So another example um, that Thich Nhat Hanh has in his book, and we may have heard elsewhere, is, okay, I have this picture of my 10-year-old self. Okay, I have this picture of my 10-year-old self. Is this me or not me? He says, I'm 70 now. Is this 10-year-old boy alive? Is this 10-year-old boy dead? Hmm? You can see where the response, I would not say, from the koan applies here. Is this 10-year-old boy alive or dead? Hmm? Hmm. It's been really helpful to me in this continual process of opening and loosening my deeply tightly held notion that keeps coming back (laughs) it's been really helpful to me to see myself not just as a continuation of people that we might conventionally say are dead but as a continuation of my 10 year old self or even myself of yesterday or of five minutes ago or of people and non-people who are still alive. Hmm? Indeed, where do we end and others begin, right? To see some of this territory. I'm already a continuation. Others are already a continuation of me. They don't have to wait for me to die. Hmm. We're already a process. Hmm. And something profound happens when a person does conventionally die, right? Namely, we can't interact with them in the way we can before they conventionally die, right? And we never will be able to again. So when we talk about the truth of no birth and no death, we're talking about, you know, an aspect of reality. We're not denying other aspects of reality. But we're doing this deep looking to see through a binary that can cause a lot of suffering. Thich Nhat Hanh shares um, that when his mother died, he personally suffered he said for about a year and then he had an experience of really looking and seeing his mother everywhere and even specifically in things he says if you look carefully you can see specific loved ones in current manifestations 
he felt his mother's caress in the moonlight's caress. Hmm? You know, he felt that his mother was inside him, but not just inside or just outside. Hmm? He was able to look, look deeply and see, and he says this takes practice, this kind of looking. If our notions of being and not being cannot be applied to reality, do not accurately map onto reality, then that's all the more reason to see through them. This is waking up to the truth of how things are. Considering here. Hmm. I'm going to go ahead and give another example that you've probably heard before. But I do think that many different examples can help. Can help get different facets of things. Hmm. So if we have, well, first of all, if we have a box of matches, Thich Nhat Hanh says we can see the flame already, the fire already in the box of matches. If we do the same looking deeply, right? And then he says, say we light a match, and then we light two candles with that match, and then we blow out the match. So now that we've blown out the match, is that flame that was on the match, is, that, is it dead now? Before we struck the match, Thich Nhat Hanh says the flame was already there. So many conditions that already come together, it just needed one, one or so more <laughs> to come into being. And then we remove that condition, right? And So this is another um, way of saying it. Or another truth here is that when conditions are sufficient, things arise. And then when conditions are not sufficient, things withdraw. Actually, I'm going to read that one and then I'll go back to the match. Okay, this is the very beginning of no, no death, no fear. So Thich Nhat Hanh says, in my hermitage in France, there is a bush of japonica, Japanese quince. The bush usually blossoms in the spring, 
but one winter it had been quite warm and the flower buds had come early. During the night, a cold stamp arrived and brought with it frost. The next day, while doing walking meditation, I noticed that all the buds on the bush had died. A few weeks later, the weather became warm again. As I walked in my garden, I saw new buds on the japonica, manifesting another generation of flowers. I asked the japonica flowers, are you the same flowers that died in the frost or are you different flowers? And the flowers replied to me, they, we are not the same and we are not different. When conditions are sufficient, we manifest. And when conditions are not sufficient, we go into hiding. It's as simple as that. This is what the Buddha taught. When conditions are sufficient, things manifest. When conditions are no longer sufficient, things withdraw. They wait until the moment is right for them to manifest again. This contemplation has been helpful to me recently. Um, not even so much with notions of birth and death, but of um, wanting something or another to happen. Or being sad when it doesn't happen or happens for someone else. <laughs> oh, and conditions are right. Yeah. This contemplation has helped me a little, like, lean into my own life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what conditions are manifesting right now? You know, what conditions are sufficiently manifesting right through this life? So back to the flame, we have the match, and now there's two candles burning, right? So the other obvious questions here are, do we have the same flame on both candles? Definitely we have a continuation of the flame that was on the match. But at some point, like these questions become, you know, they, they don't map onto the reality. You can't really say it's the same flame. You can't really say it's a different flame. You can't really say it's not the same flame. Came from the same match, you know. And then you look at even one candle and it's burning and two seconds later... It's burning different wick, it's burning different oxygen, it's got different waxes being used up there. So you cannot say. Hmm? Even if the younger guy threatens to hit you, you, know, you still you shouldn't say it if it's not true, right? Okay, so I'm going to close by reading, not the whole koan, but the most well-known part of this koan again. So this is the 55th case of the Blue Cliff Record. Uh, Tao Wu's condolence call. Tao Wu and Qian Yuan went to a house to make a condolence call. Yuan hit the coffin and said, alive or dead? 
Wu said, I won't say alive and I won't say dead. Yuan said, why won't you say? Wu said, I won't say. Halfway back as they were returning, Yuan said, tell me right away, teacher. If you don't tell me, I'll hit you. Wu said, you may hit me, but I won't say. Yuan then hit him. This hitting stuff is, you know, the, the student's trying to encourage the teacher there. You know, like, don't, don't be shy about this. Don't be hesitant. Like, come on, say it. Yeah. And the teacher's like, actually, <laughs> I already said it. I already said it. Um, thanks for listening. Please continue to look deeply 